0: In and lift up our hands strong and mighty tower, your name is a shout like no other, your name. Let the nations sing your loud, cause nothing has the power to say. i Amén days.
1: worship today all day long Jesus we give you praise we speak of your greatness your might your wonder your power we love you we honor you today Jesus we honor you today lord i pray you would receive our praise today from hearts that, that are submitted to you from hearts that that owe you everything and i pray your blessing on this time we have together in the mighty and wonderful and endless name of jesus and everyone said, Amen. 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 What a great song. Appreciate your worship team. Uh, hey, let's take a few minutes and greet each other today. Maybe you haven't seen somebody for a couple weeks. Let's take some time and do that this morning. Well, good morning. Welcome to Praise Assembly. It is so good to see you. Uh, you, you look amazing. I tell you, you look, you're better looking than the last time I saw you. And uh, it's, it's just incredible how we, we are, we're such, such a good looking church. But if you're a guest here today, uh, if you could complete a Connect card and then at the conclusion of our worship service, head out that door and to your right is our gift services desk, hand it to them. They have a gift for you, and uh, that would just be a tremendous help to us. We appreciate you being here. Again, I've said this before, but for people that have never been new someplace in a long time, it's not easy being someplace your first time, and we appreciate Uh, you being here and are glad that you're here. Uh, As we receive this morning's tithes and offerings and the ushers come, we're going to pray together. Lord, we honor your great name. You are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our praise. And God, you are worthy of us giving to you right now. Lord, we give to you, recognizing that you own everything. And Lord, I pray that you would receive these gifts with that heart. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: saying, do be found upon my faith in you. I lift up holy hands and sing, let the praises ring. Let the praises ring. Let the praises ring.
1: All right. Amen. You can clap. Yes. So hey, a few announcements today. If you have your bulletin when you came in, have that handy right now. That would be great. Uh, we have got some uh, uh, handouts. And if you go in the lobby when you came in, if you go when you head out today, um, we have uh, some really cool things happening here. Beginning on March 3rd, next Sunday, uh, we have our Parenting 101 class. Now, if your parents, if your if your kids are grown up and out of the house, you you probably won't have use for this class unless you're raising grandkids. But this is a great class that's going to be available, and uh, it is going to be in room 101 simultaneously. And the the adult class is still going to be going on as 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 normal, Uh, but also uh, teens and money. That class will be happening. Over here in 103 of class from the kitchen, middle school, high school, Uh, uh, Charity and Michael are going to help me with that class. We're going to have a great time, um, and that's going to be about eight weeks. Uh, So we're going to have a good time there. That's happening, again, next Sunday. But the the explanations of those and everything, they're out in the lobby. Give you some information to be able to take with you as far as other curriculum things going. i got a lot of papers here today. Uh, And so anyways, that's happening out there. Uh, Do remember that next week also is our Missions Weekend and International Banquet. Our service with Sam Johnson is going to be at 10 a.m. And then we have the the dinner at 5.30. And I know the pastor is going to talk about that dinner again because he looks forward to this more than Christmas, I believe. Every year, this dinner, he is game. He is on, ready for it. So uh, whatever ethnic dish you'd like to make, uh, if you want to venture out into somebody else's ethnicity, great. If you want to do your own perfect... But we're going to have a great time then. Uh, So that's happening on the 3rd, March 3rd. Also, Wednesday Night Bible Study, we have Minor Prophets uh, that began a few weeks back, and that's going on. You don't want to miss that. We have some calendar items. Young Adults, March 8th, 7 p.m. is mini-golf. Who doesn't love mini golf? It's going to be a great time. Make sure that you see Sam Kramer if you have any questions. Also, National Youth Day is happening March the 24th. And uh, the announcement will be in the bulletin next week. But that is going to be uh, Taco Sunday, where we're going to actually sell tacos after uh, church in the cafe on the 24th of March, National Youth Day. It's going to be a great day. And lastly, lastly, do not forget... That at the conclusion of our service today, we're going to have a five or ten minute bathroom break. And then we're going to have our annual business meeting that will be held right here afterwards. God bless you. Great to see you today.
2: All right. Yeah. um, Next Sunday. Always such a good time. In the morning, we'll be blessed with Sam Johnson, as you already heard. And um, in the evening, we're going to eat well. So, looking forward to that. So, I want to talk to you today, though, in preparation of next Sunday uh, with our morning session, again, with Faith Promises and Sam Johnson and our international banquet at night. Um, by the way, the banquet is sponsored by you, okay? So, we're counting on you to really put up some, some good food to share with everyone, and, uh, and it is a great feast, But um, one thing I wanted you to know, if we can have the photo of Sam and Joyce, uh, just want to kind of reintroduce them to you. He'll be here alone. Uh, We've had them here, had him here about two or three times over the past 25 years. And listen to this, Sam is going to be 85 years old this year. And to put that in perspective, the Assemblies of God will be 110 years old this year, in April of this year. And so our movement was only 25 years old when he was born. He was a young man in a young movement. And Sam has been an incredible asset to the kingdom of God, as well as to the assemblies of God. Um, He started out as a missionary for many, many years, first in Spain and then in Portugal. He ministered in Spain during the years that Francisco Franco was the dictator over that nation. And then he ministered in Portugal while living under communist oppression And while in these countries, Sam and his wife Joyce were instrumental in raising up Bible colleges, ministerial training centers in both countries and during some very difficult times, very challenging times. Eventually, Sam and his family moved back to the United States and they pastored at Heritage Church in North Carolina as the PTL club was collapsing. They were asked to take that church and and try to give it guidance. And then once that all settled... He came into leadership with Mission of Mercy in Calcutta, India. Many great years of service for this man. He is, I would, I would label him as a missionary statesman. And then finally in his retirement years, he began a very unique missions organization called Priority One, doing something that had never been done before. Never in the assemblies of God had it been done. And it's not being duplicated even today. And priority one, you see, has one purpose, one focus, and that is to build Christian colleges, Bible colleges around the world for the sole purpose of raising up and training leaders
3: for today's church. Traveling the world to share the good news of Jesus Christ brings me to a point of reflection. It all began when Joyce and I went to Spain in 1966 as missionaries. Out of that came the building of the Bible School. Our first graduating class was just five students, but one of those students was Jose Cisneros. He went on to Brussels, Belgium to receive his master's degree, came back to Spain, Through his ministry, our first graduate, he placed into every home in Spain a piece of gospel literature. That's the power of trained men and women. Since our experience in Spain, God has helped us to live in Portugal to build a Bible school there. 500 graduates are today someplace in the world serving in over 16 countries. Now our concentration is taking us not only to Asia, but to Africa, where the good news of Jesus Christ is exploding. The desperate need is to put trained men and women into pulpits to carry on the revival. That's the fulfillment of the Great Commission. That's why we call it Priority One.
2: And to date, he has led his partners and partner churches like ours in the construction of facilities in 55 nations of the world just in the last 25 years. Through Priority One, we as a church have built Bible colleges in Bangladesh, in Myanmar, Uzbekistan, Nepal, Romania, South Africa. And we also built a five-building campus in Arusha, Tanzania. And most recently, a five-story building in Vietnam. And of course, this has been a team effort. And you and I are part of that team. But it all started with the vision of one man, as you heard. A man who started me personally on a pathway of missions when I was only about six months old in the Lord. I was a very new Christian. And Sam Johnson came to the church that I was attending. I was saved in... August of 1974 and he came to Bethany Assembly of God in Springfield, Massachusetts the following March to be one of their speakers at their annual missions convention and so he turned me, he so turned me on to missions in that convention that I graduated, when I graduated from college and started the first church that I would pastor, we picked up our first missionary just one year after we began that church. Just a handful of people and we became a missions church. And that's his influence in my life from the very beginning. I mean, you know, here I was a freshman in college meeting him, getting excited about transforming our world one life at a time. Went through those four years of college and held that inside until I planted a church. And all the folks in our church that came to our church were all brand new converts. Everyone came off the street, accepted Jesus, became born again, and became part of the church, the ecclesia. And then Kathy and I were called to Pastor New Jersey. And so my second church in just a few years became a missions giving church as well. And now today, as you may know, Praise Assembly has become a missions-giving church. And and if by any chance you didn't know this, and you've been here a while, we've been ranked among the top 50 missions-giving churches in America, in the Assemblies of God, as well as in the top 100 on a regular basis. We're not always in the top 50, but we're almost always in the top 100. And our ranking is based upon the giving of approximately 13,000 churches over the past 38 years. Years, we've given a total of more than $8 million to world missions. You'll get more of these numbers next week. but And and that doesn't count home missions. That doesn't count home missions. doesn't count local missions. And we have done that together. We've done that together. And for that, I say thank you for your generosity, for your commitment. Because that means that we are making a difference in our world. And you know, that's what our denomination was founded upon. The Assemblies of God did not form... To become another new denomination. I want you to know that. This movement that has become a denomination. The Assemblies of God. Did not start out with that purpose. 300 people came together. For the sole purpose of trying to figure out. How to put their money together. So that it could be sent to support missionaries around the world. They never meant. If you can believe this. They never meant to start another denomination. It came together to form a missions organization. And when the Assemblies of God was only about seven months old, this fledgling movement, seven months old, seven months of existence, they chose a mission statement that has stayed with us for 110 years. And not just on paper, but we live by this. It was drafted in Chicago in November of 1914. The Assemblies of God, as I said, was only seven months old at the time. And this resolution said this. Here's what it said. As a council... We hereby express our gratitude to God for his great blessing upon the movement in the past. We are grateful to him for the results attending this forward movement, and we commit ourselves and the movement to him for the greatest evangelism that the world has ever seen. We pledge our hearty cooperation, prayers, and help to this end. And here's a photo of the church where they met. They met in Chicago at the Stone Church. And you know that statement that I just read to you and you were able to read yourself? Our belief in this one mission has seen the Assemblies of God grow from just 300 people. That's how many gathered. 300 people met together in Hot Springs, Arkansas in April of 1914. And today it's more than 86 million members worldwide. That's incredible. That's incredible. Here's a photo of the original 300. You see, world missions, world evangelism has been in our DNA from the very beginning. And folks, it needs to remain in ours. And for one very simple reason, because each and every day we are getting closer to the second coming, to the return of Jesus Christ. Amen. Take a look at Matthew 24:14. It says, "And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come." And then there's John chapter nine, verse four. It gives us our directive. And it tells us that we need to be busy in spreading the gospel. Jesus said, and it applies to us today. He said, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. For night is coming when no one can work. And to understand that verse means that we understand that there's going to come a day when you and I will no longer need to share the gospel. We'll no longer be able to share the gospel with anyone because Jesus will have returned and end times will have been unleashed. An old friend of mine, a true missionary statesman, I've used that term once this morning. One, this is, this is a guy from Sam Johnson's generation. He's been here in our church. His name is Dwayne Jones. He's in heaven today. But he would often make a rather simple yet profound statement. He would remind people, when it, wherever, he preached, wherever he was preaching, I, and I know that he said it here, concerning investing in missions, he would say, we're not running out of money, we're running out of time. We're not running out of money. We're running out of time. And folks, that statement could not be more true than it is today. We're getting closer and closer and closer to the end of time. And until that time, we are called to be about our father's business. And here's how Jesus spoke about this. This is, again, the 24th chapter of Matthew. Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. Jesus said, but about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and he would not have let his house get broken into. So you also must be ready because the son of man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? whom the master's put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. And I want to specifically emphasize to you the the verse 45 and 46. Again, reading these, who then is the faithful and wise servant? Who among us is going to be the faithful and wise servant whom the master's put in charge? And in verse 46, it will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. And I want you to think about those two verses. I believe that every one of us someday, I hope that you're looking forward to being commended by your Lord and Savior. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to hear those words. I I want him to acknowledge that I've been doing what he asked me to do until he came again. To be be commended by Jesus for doing what he's commissioned us to do. It will be good. Verse 46, it'll be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Now here's the thing. Here's the realities of life. There are so many things that each one of us have to do every day. Moms and dads today are super busy trying to raise their families while going to work to keep a roof over their heads. And not only are we busy in our employment, but even, it, it, it even takes time to sit down and write the bills with the money we earned that week. And then we have to attend recitals and ball games and Royal Ranger events and church and Sunday school. Life is full. And then there's also the extended family. We have relationships that require attention. In-laws and outlaws, grandmas and grandpas and nieces and nephews and get-togethers and there's higher education and there's certifications in the workplace so much is being demanded of us all day every day and I know that you get this and there's oftentimes many more duties much more duties than daylight there are many things that we can be involved in life is just incredibly busy today But again, Jesus spoke these very poignant words. Verse 46, Matthew 24. It will be good for the servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. So in other words, of all the things that we need to do to survive every day, we somewhere, somehow, also need to include doing what we're supposed to be doing when he returns. We need to be doing what we're supposed to be doing when he returns. And what we're supposed to be doing is to simply be involved in the Great Commission. The last chapter of Matthew, Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came to them and he said, and these are among the last words that he spoke. He he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And looking specifically at verse 19, it tells us that we're supposed to be telling others about Jesus. That we're to go and make disciples. This is what we're supposed to do and this is what we're supposed to be doing when he returns. And we can do this on on two levels. We can tell those who are near and we can tell those who are far. In other words, we, we need to tell those who are near to us, obviously. We need to tell them about the fact that Jesus is the Messiah, that He is the Savior. And this group of people would include our family, our friends, our coworkers, our classmates, anyone nearby. I shared on this message just three weeks ago, the first of of, of this of this first Sunday of this month. And then we also need to tell those who are far away. Now obviously it doesn't doesn't cost us anything. To be missionaries to someone who's close by. It's something we can do very naturally. Or should do very naturally. Right where we are. But then at least once a year. During our missions weekend. Our missions convention. I try to remind all of us. That not only should we be discipling. And reaching out to others. And sharing the gospel of those around us. But that we also should try to reach those who are far away. We're to be involved in it. that's what that's what next Sunday really is all about. It's, I mean, it's every Sunday, but next weekend is our focus. That's the part of the Great Commission that takes funds, and that's because funds are needed to send someone to a place in our place to tell others about Jesus. That's how it happens. It takes financial resources to send someone to a distant land, to a distant people. And that's what next weekend's all about. And I have to tell you, I personally consider it a privilege to partner with the missionaries that this church supports on a monthly basis. We support between 50 and 60 missionaries every month around the world. And it's a blessing to me to know that not only can we make an impact right here, But that we also can support people who are willing to leave American conveniences, a common language, even leave their families for years at a time. To move thousands of miles away from everything that's familiar for the sole purpose, for one purpose of telling others about Jesus and about his saving grace. Telling them about heaven and eternal life. That's the only reason we send missionaries to these other nations. I hope that every one of you this morning received a handout concerning two of the first missionaries to Bangladesh, Calvin and Marion Olson. And Marion Olson is from the Wilmington area. And you can read the whole thing later. Hopefully, I, I do hope you have it. If you don't, they're on the information desk on your way out. But there's a photo that I want you to see of them in Bangladesh. And that's on one side of the sheet that was handed out this morning. And on the other side, I want to read to you just what Mary Olson wrote about her husband at his passing. It sums up what so many of our missionaries have been through over the years since the Assemblies of God was founded and what they're going through even today. But listen to this. I'll read it to you. Dear Father God, she writes, I want to talk to you about one of your sons, Calvin. I know I was married to a prince and he treated me like a princess. I was awed, frightened, And challenged when I realized you had chosen us as a team. You let me share his life on earth for 44 years. And now you want him closer to yourself. How can I say no? Thank your angels for a job well done. They had a difficult assignment during our years in Bangladesh. For we both knocked on heaven's gates many times. And you sent us back to earth to work some more. Like the time that I was dying from cholera. The time that we were robbed facing two daggers and a machine gun. During the Civil War when bombs fell all around us, shaking our house and cracking window panes. But now is the time you've chosen to open Heaven's Gate, not for both of us, but for Calvin alone. We would have chosen to go together. Father, I know you better because of Calvin. He taught me right priorities, and when we decided to marry, he informed me that I could not have first place in his life. I agreed knowing that you were first, but I must admit it was not an easy commitment. You gave us a job to do together. He has finished first, but evidently, evidently I have more to do. Please speak loudly and clearly to me as I tend not to hear as readily as he did and help me to be obedient and faithful at any cost as he was. Love you both, Marion. That's the reality of missions. You see, our missionaries are in the field of their calling God has called them there and they're there by faith. They're there by their faith in Christ. And so we likewise need to join them in faith. God hasn't called us to go. Now, maybe some of you will be called, but right now, none of us have been called to go, but but we can support those who have been called and we can support them in faith. And faith isn't something mystical. It isn't something, you know, uh, e- ephemeral. It's, uh, listen to James chapter 2, verse 14. Listen to this. James writes, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? other you words, know, there should be some manifestation to the faith. That's what I'm saying. It's not, it's not ethereal. It's not ephemeral. It's not vaporous. It's real. Faith is real. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's a substance of things hoped for. What good is it, my brother and sister, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, be well fed, but, what, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. And folks, our faith comes alive as we help to support our missionaries. Their faith got them there. And they went from church to church. Raising support. So, Because you know they can't work in another country. They're not allowed. They're not allowed. They're not there on work visas. And so they have to be supported from us. And they've gone out around the world. To share the salvation message. To share eternal life through Jesus Christ. And as James said. Faith without works is dead. So, if we're to put our faith together with their faith, that means that we have to do something about it, something very concrete, and we are, year after year. We haven't gotten the final numbers from Assembly of God World Missions, Uh, and in our report today, you'll see what our numbers are, and I would just say this, at our business meeting, our numbers are always less than what headquarters has, because some of you Give to organizations and the assemblies that go directly to them and don't come through us. But if I'm correct, I believe last year we gave somewhere around $429,000 to world missions last year. That's faith with works. That's faith with works. There should be a manifestation of our faith. And I believe that can happen again in this year ahead. And so I thank you in advance this morning. As I close, I thank you in advance for expressing your faith and giving to missions this whole past year as well as this year ahead. We're going to join our faith together with missionaries around the world. And God is moving in so many places. Africa and Asia. Even Bangladesh is continuing to grow. It's incredible what God is doing. Touching Muslims with the Gospels. The, The Hindus and Buddhist world is beginning to open up in many places like Nepal. God is moving, and we need to continue to fuel that fire. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you, Lord, for calling us together as a local church. Lord, as a local congregation, a local body of Christ. And Lord, together, God, you have used us. Lord, I thank you. You have put us into partnership with with, with missionary organizations like Priority One and Global University. And Lord, I thank you that you've called us to support 50-plus missionaries on a monthly basis all around the world. And Lord, I pray, God, that we would be found faithful upon your return, that we would be found faithful and be doing the things that you told us to do. To tell our neighbors and our family and our friends and our schoolmates and our, work, our fellow workers about you. And then also linking hands with our missionaries around the world. Lord, I pray for your will to be done in our lives today and every day. Lord, especially next week when we focus on missions, world missions but I pray that your will would be
0: done in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.